Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today's guest is four-time Olympic swimmer Liesl Jones. She's a half a body length in front of the red line. Liesl Jones looking at a world record. It'll be the third in the pool. Jones is absolutely blitzing the red line. She is marvellous. She is great. The best breaststroker in the world. Um, Dame will come home about five, but I told him to. That's cool. Oh, hopefully we should be done by then because i got to go home to the children. Be a mother. <laughs> fun pretending I'm not. <laughs> Actually, maybe we should extend it. <laughs> do you want to do dinner? Do you want to move in? <laughs> I just live here now. Yeah, I live here now. As you can tell, we have a two-seater couch. Yeah, perfect. I'm, I'm, There's a spot for you. It's a spot for me. Yeah. Damo sleeps on the floor anyway. Yeah. It's so fine. It's fine. You move in. Okay. Liesl, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I say us, me, joining me today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so just you and you on your own. <laughs> I'm new to this podcasting thing. It's just, you know, I'm getting the hang of it. Um, I'm so excited to be talking to you because I'm such a sports fan. And Are you though? <laughs> I'm just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, and I wanted to know what your favourite performance was from your swimming career? Throughout my swimming career, I guess there's a lot of them that are highlighted and a lot of them involve you, (laughs) which is quite cool. Um, I guess from an individual perspective, 2008, my 100 breaststroke was my favourite because it was so elusive to get an individual gold Mm. and it took so long and it took many years to get there and many attempts and just – just seemed like it was never going to happen. So from that perspective, that's probably one of my favourites. But Is that the one you're most proud of? I'm most proud of it, yes, because of the tenacity it took to get there, just go back and keep going and to believe in myself that it was possible and that it was going to happen. But I think in terms of the most fun, it would have to be our four-by-one medley Mm. relay. And that one always sticks in my mind. Like it still gives me goosebumps to this day. Like just so amazing to think that we smashed the world record and it, it came up in a reminder again just not that long ago and just really a reminder of just how good we were. Mm. We were world beaters and we just had so much fun doing it and I think that's the envy of most people mm. is to have a group of three other people alongside you that you would do absolutely anything for and you still competed and won and beat the USA basically. Yeah. But don't you find it interesting because I, I saw that um, it came up in the memories yep. um, and – I remember during swimming, like my swimming career, that it was all about the individual gold medal. Like, of course. That's what we were gunning for. That's what we all held in the highest esteem. That's what, you know, the the big goal was for everybody. But now looking back, my favourite moments were those moments with you and, and with Alice and Jody and Patria and Emily and Jashipa. Like there's <sighs> – they're the moments that stick out in my mind. Do you, don't you find it funny that that's how we feel now? <laughs> yeah, and I guess because there's so much pressure on individual events and there's so much pressure to perform and there's so much focus on you and you achieving it that when you get to share it with other people, A, it takes away a little bit of the pressure on you so it makes it more enjoyable, but B, you get to celebrate with other people and I think that's the greatest thing. And sometimes your performances lift up other people's performances mm. too, which I think is quite cool. 
But I think the best thing about it is just having that camaraderie with people mm. and the three other girls that I competed with is that's something that we will be joined with forever. That's mm. something that is special to us that no one else can have and no one else can share and no one else knows what that feels like but we do. Mm. So I think that's really cool. And when you have an individual event, no one else knows what that feels like yeah. for you and the pressure you are under and the performance and how great that feels. But when you share it with other people, I think that makes it really cool and unbreakable mm. almost. Yeah. Is that a good word? Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I mean, you touched on it a little bit, the longevity that you had throughout your career. You were the first Australian swimmer to go to four Olympic Games. How do you stay focused from, you know, the plucky little 15-year-old <laughs> who is showing off her nails yeah. and doing the V for victory sign yeah. to 27 yep. Yep. in 2012 in yeah. London? How do you keep going after all those years? Look, the last four years were very tenuous. So I think it's really hard going from a 15-year-old kid and then you go to 27, you're a totally different person throughout that time and you evolve and you change and you learn so much about yourself. And I think that's probably the great part is learning about yourself. But to keep going sometimes when you haven't achieved what you want is sometimes the hardest thing to do because you go not back to square one because you never go back to square one. You've already got a base there, but going, do I want to go again? Am I really committed for another four years? And it's not like AFL or NRL where you get another year mm. to train and you get to compete week in and week out. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you mess up, then you've got another opportunity next week to prove yourself. We don't have that. It's really, well, we do have world championships in between, but it's not quite an mm. Olympic gold medal. So it's pretty, I guess you can't put into words how hard it is to keep going back and mm. to keep trying and to go back to the drawing board and see what we're going to do differently. Because, yeah, it's just that get up and go to keep committing to whatever it is you want to do. And I don't think many people would be able to say that they did that for as long. Mm. I can say the last four years were very hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, understandably, I think of one year. <laughs> where you're like, oh, that's a lot to commit to. So, I mean, you were 27, you finished your fourth Olympic Games. How did you know it was time to retire? I knew well before that I was ready to retire, unfortunately. Uh, I had just had enough of the sport. The sport had really changed from what it was in 2000 to 2012 and the people had changed mm. and the generation had kind of changed and the coaches were changing. So I knew I was finished when I kind of didn't really fit in anymore and the people, I just didn't really know them. They weren't my friends so mm. much. And they were people, you know, Emily Seabom was still there, Jess Shipper was still there. There were still so many people I considered friends, but it had changed. The majority of people had changed. And that was something that didn't sit very well with me. And I thought, you know what, I'm really done here. I'd given it absolutely everything to the sport. Mm. And I just kind of wanted, in inverted commas, a normal life. It just, um, what is normal? But, yeah, it's just, I just didn't really want to do the training. I could not imagine doing another four years. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm done. Yeah. And how do you feel like you prepared for retirement? Do you feel like you 
did things to get yourself ready for it or did you just kind of go in blindly? Went really blindly, yeah. really stupidly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not do that very well and it's something that I'm very conscious of helping other people with because as much as people tell you, I'm sure you were exactly the same. Everyone told you, you know, retirement's really hard and the transition's hard. <laughs> yeah. and, and you're like, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll be, be fine. fine. Yeah, I'll be fine. I'll work in media because there's so many jobs in media, right? <laughs> Someone will give me. Me a job. I, I used to swim good. Yeah, like, and obviously I can do other stuff good too. <laughs> so I guess that was a bit of a slap in the face mm. where people didn't hand you jobs on a silver platter and brutal on the ego. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's like, like wow. Uh, I used to be good at stuff. I'm not so good anymore. Oh, you mean you want me to type an Excel spreadsheet? Sure. Cool. Yes, I know how to do that. All over it. <laughs> Let me Google that. Yeah. So sometimes it's about Googling the job that I need to do because I don't really know how to do things. So yeah, the transition was really challenging in that way because I didn't realise it was so hard and as much as athletes have many great transferable skills, I didn't know how to work a normal job. I mm. don't think I still really know how to work a normal job. Yeah. It's uh, an assault on the senses of sitting and meeting sometimes and you go, I don't really know what I'm contributing here. So mm. there's lots of components to it that I think may not have been explained properly and I kind of thought I had everything and I knew everything and could move into something else and it just didn't happen for me. So what is it, seven years down the track and I'm still figuring it out? Yeah. Uh, No. Longer. Nine. Nine? (laughs) Nine years. Nine years. Yeah, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm eight years down the track, I feel you. Yeah. How did you find like working out what you wanted to do? How, how did you go about that or was it just about throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what <laughs> oh, stuck? <laughs> I like that analogy. I did exactly that. Yeah. And it just, it takes so long. It's muddy water and mm. not very clear about what it is I wanted to do and I still have no idea. And unfortunately, sometimes I think nothing will compare to the passion that I had and the drive that I had to win Olympic gold. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just means that I've got to adjust my expectations of what my career is going to look like and yeah sometimes it's just you get out of bed and you think oh did I make a difference today did Mm. I do something extraordinary and you look at your career in swimming and think I was undeniably number one in the world Mm. undisputed number one in the world at what I did for a really long time (laughs) for a long time you were really good for a really really long time and like you were an outlier like you were far beyond the rest of the pack yeah, which is quite cool. Yeah, super many, cool. Super cool. And not many people get to say that. And so when you find that in your job or what you want to do, you d- there's no undeniable number one in what you do. Unless it's also you do subjective. Yeah. It's so subjective. Mm. No one, yeah, I just... It's just so cool to think that you were number one at what you did. Mm. And I want a trophy, damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just I'll engrave on myself, just put it on there. Um, yeah, so it's hard. And that's what I think makes it so challenging in that career transition is finding something that's worth getting out of bed for and worth making a difference. And you're making a difference in someone else's life. Mm. It doesn't come around very often. Well, I think you are making such a difference in so many people's lives. You've spoken so eloquently and beautifully about your challenges with your mental health, Mm. particularly in your book, Body Lengths. How has it been talking about those experiences and, you know, kind of making yourself really vulnerable and do you feel like that's shaped the path that you're on now? 
Yeah, it probably has shaped my path a little bit, but I'm very willing to be vulnerable in those positions and to talk very openly about mental health. And I don't feel, I personally didn't feel any stigma towards my mental health at the time. I didn't really openly talk about it, but since then I have not felt any stigma or any negative associations to talking openly about mental health. And it's very obvious that it's affecting a lot of people a mm. lot more than we actually know and probably even want to consider. So I was open in that way and I was very happy to talk about it because if it helped someone, even just one person, I was more than happy to do that. And I know in your book especially you've had an enormous effect on uh, mothers and and just normal people, mm. you know, and it's if you can affect one person, you've made a huge difference and you've certainly touched a whole lot of people and a huge, you know, almost 50% of our population mm. in Australia and um, in women. So, yeah, yeah if, you make, if, it makes a, if it makes a difference, I'm very happy to talk about it in, yeah. in my circumstances. So, But it's, I, I find it remarkable because you had such uh, challenging relationship with the media at times. Yes, yep. And to still have that openness and vulnerability despite that I yeah. think is really a credit to you. Oh, thank you. I think the older I got probably the softer I became as well and didn't let media hard harden me and, um, you know, grow a thick skin, which I did. Because they were jerks in 2012. <laughs> like let's call That's a spade, a nice a, a spade a spade. Like they were dickheads, man. <laughs> yeah, and it was really challenging and something I had never experienced before. And you and shouldn't have ever experienced. Yeah, should have, could have, would have. But, yeah. you know, it did happen and it probably made me – a different person I had a different perspective and I guess you would understand this as well. I'm making a huge assumption but once you're on the other side, you understand how hard it is yeah. to tread carefully and to, you know, you've you got to break a few eggs to make an omelette and not mm. saying to go to that extent but sometimes you just can't make everyone happy mm. in media and if, yeah, I became a target of something but became sort of a bit of a body image, not expert, I'm not going to say expert but... I understand more about female body image, which I didn't really have. You didn't appreciate before. No. Yeah. And probably didn't look into it much. And there's been so much body image movement things coming out now that people are talking positively, especially for women. And it's nice to know you're not alone in that way. Yeah. So it can be brutal, but I think it has a really positive lining to it. We can talk a little bit more about it. Such a, I mean, it's such an amazing attitude and perspective to to gain from, I guess, those experiences. You're now studying a Bachelor of Psychology. Yep. What are you hoping to do with that? Look, I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? It's I, the next right step, Liesl. Next right step. Trust me, I think about quitting every day, especially when I do second year statistics. It just makes me want to cry. And it's a great challenge. I don't know what I want to do at the end of it. I've always been interested in criminology and that side of it, but I haven't committed to that side. I've done organisational psychology. Oh, cool. Which is really interesting because, you know, we're talking about career transition and mm. no one's experienced career transition like we have mm. coming out of something that you know like the back of your hand, you know the people in it, you know how to do your job, you know how to do your job better than anyone knows how to do their job and then going in transitioning and going, what do I want to do now? So, that psychology side is really interesting in career transition for people 
And hopefully maybe I can help people with that because your job and what you do is such a majority of your life. It plays mm. such a big part and it affects everything else in your life. Yeah. So, well, don't you spend like most of your time at work, Correct. not with the people you love and care about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you're a cranky person at work and you're taking that home, that's not ideal either. Mm. So I do find that stuff really interesting and burnout and stress and work-life balance if that exists and things like that. So I've been focusing on that, but I'm not sure if that's what I want to do. So in the first few weeks, months, years of your retirement, do you feel like there was the support that you needed during that time or? I'm going to say no. Yeah. And no fault of anyone else's, probably my own fault. I just got lost in the forest there for a little while Mm. and didn't really want to do anything, didn't want to commit to anything, didn't want to study anything. We've spoken a lot about being commitment (laughs) folks. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) Kind of committed myself fully to a career before. I don't want to commit again. That's terrifying. (laughs) I'm not committing to you. No way. (laughs) Just pay me money. I won't do anything. (laughs) That goes against everything in my morale. I can't do anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's. I just got lost in the wilderness for so long and I think sometimes I just aimlessly poke at things and hopefully something sticks and hopefully I enjoy something but – until then, I'll just keep plodding along. So, what do you miss the most about swimming? Like in the real world, it's very different the mm. way that you think about things, the way that you might set goals. What do you miss the most about that sort of high performance environment? Oh, there's so many things I miss. Uh, there's so many things I don't miss too. But the things that I miss the most is seeing my best mates every day. And I used to see my best mates at 4am when everyone's cranky and tired at their worst moments in their whole entire life and we still cared about each other and we still liked each other and we were teammates no matter what. I miss that very much because it's just an appreciation of people at their absolute worst trying to be their absolute best Mm. and still caring for someone and I miss that so much because you could turn up to the pool, someone's having a bad day, that's okay. You know, we understood and moved on. And the different dynamics between people and the different characteristics and different relationships and I miss that so much and that real camaraderie between people I think is the biggest thing because we all went through something the mm. sa- similar, the same similar experiences no one else understands what that yeah. feels like. You're all working towards this, although different goals, but really yeah. it's the same goal, same making goal. an Australian team or winning a medal. Yeah, or- yeah. and it's just that uh, I don't know what the word is, but like the connection between us that no one understands. No one will know what that feels like to be at your absolute worst and still training for something so exceptional to be number one in the world. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of those things that I miss. I miss being super fit. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you get that? <laughs> I feel you. In my soul, I feel you. <laughs> You're speaking my language. Um, that level of fitness I miss so much. Uh, I miss... Um, I guess that mental aspect of really being super determined, super clear on what I wanted, how I was going to get it, I miss those elements. I miss being told what to do and just following instruction. Yes, coachability. (laughs) Yes. I am so coachable. So coachable. Tell me what to do and how to do it and I will execute. Exactly. (laughs) Like tell me exactly what I need to do and I will do it to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. But when it's a bit, you know, 
Well, loosey-goosey, do whatever you want. You can set up your own routine. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Tell me where to be and I'll be there. Yeah. So, yeah, I do miss that very much. Um, What else do I miss? I miss the fun times of really in training. I just remember a lot of laughs Mm. and I remember having a great time and mucking around most of the time and the fun times far outweigh any hard times. I think they they were pretty few and far between. You're also working with Athletics Australia. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that role and how – that's kind of shaping your path at the moment. Yeah, so I'm working in athlete wellbeing and engagement, which is really cool and sort of it existed when we were around but not to this extent. There's a real focus on mental health, which I really like, and as much as I'm not a psychologist and I'm not um, trained to be one, Mm. I still work in mental health, which is really cool. So it's just about balance and I guess, enjoyment of sport while it lasts and making sure that people do transition a little bit better than what we did and uh, university and that real focus. And so when we were around, it was athlete career and education, so it was ACE, and I probably didn't really actively pursue that. I kind of left it a little bit and I really should have. Why do you think you didn't pursue it? Didn't really care about it. I was like, I'll just focus on swimming. I'll figure it out at the end. Yep. I'll get a job. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. Yeah, it was just that pure focus on winning. Mm. And I guess you would probably agree in this sense, but it's very hard when you're trying to win an Olympic gold medal. There's not a lot of time and space to focus on anything else. And when mm. you're not training, you just want to switch off. Yeah. So you just want to sleep. Sleep, <laughs> sleep all day. Sleep and snack. Mm. So, yeah, it's. Uh, that's probably why I didn't take it up and I kind of wish I did because it would have been great to be able to study something in between, mm. but that's okay. I do didn't you, do that. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like you, it's good to have that perspective, Hi, hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, all geez, those things. that be so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, like for athletes coming through, would you, what would you recommend for them to help make that transition easier or better or Definitely focus on a dual career, which is that athletics and study or do something or work part-time or do work experience because you've got the availability to do that. It just comes in handy when you're, it's time to retire and you have work experience, you've got hours in your pocket mm. or you've studied and you're ready to go and you're as soon as you retire you can hit the go button and whether you like it or not, you don't even like the job, doesn't matter, at least you've got a degree mm. in something. You can always transition that into something else it doesn't have to be that exact job you use it as a platform to the next thing yeah Yeah, exactly so there's no pressure on it you don't have to pick the perfect job you don't have to pick the perfect study options it's just about doing something with your time it's hard when you're in that perfectionist mindset though to not pick the perfect job (laughs) so much (laughs) because I must be perfect at all of the things yes at all of them (laughs) even though I'm not perfect but I will pretend to be try to be (laughs) try to be and I will nearly die in the process of I will sit in a pool of tears of um, (laughs) not being able to make things work perfectly exactly how I want them so yeah yeah, because I think that's one of the biggest um, like challenges that people find is like I know that for me I just always wanted to focus on my swimming. I wanted to f- be laser focused on mm. what my goals were. But like if if you're practical and you actually look at what time you have as an athlete, even if it's during 
the breaks, you know, as soon as we have probably three to four weeks a year, like do a work experience internship. Yeah, Like do some volunteer stuff during that time. At least that's an experience and you're kind of – getting an idea of the areas that you'd like to to go in. I'm sure lots of people would love to have athletes yeah. on in those environments. Yeah, exactly. And it's just tasting different things and you can at least get an idea of going, oh, I can't stand that job and I will never do that job ever again. So at least that's a great way to trial, trial and error before you start getting paid for it and there's expectations around what you do. Such a great opportunity to try different things and I think that would have been really nice during my time. And I know Stefan, our coach, was very good at that balance and I did study beauty therapy there for a while and that changed so much for me because it was something I really enjoyed. It was not hard work. It was a job that I could see myself actually doing and completing and I think that was a great thing for me. So as much as it wasn't huge commitment Mm. and it wasn't, you know, studying psychology or anything, it was, it gave me something Mm. outside. So I think Stefan is amazing for that. Yeah. And what I can hear Neville. Neville just breathing in the background. <laughs> He's so noisy. <laughs> um, so how have you managed your, for lack of a better word, ego? Because uh-huh. I, I know as any athlete, when you're aiming to be the best in the world, you have to have some semblance of an ego to believe that you can be part of that world, to believe that you could be the best. How have you gone managing that into the real world where we're less good at things. <laughs> not great. <laughs> I would not say great. Yeah. And it's so hard because, yeah, you're definitely not going to be the best at what you do because, like we said before, it's very subjective. So it's very hard to be the best and managing ego with anything. And sometimes I just have to remind myself just to drop the competition because it's mm. not about competition. And I do notice with the gym that we go to that some people are very competitive and mm. especially with other gym goers and I just couldn't be bothered to be honest. <laughs> but do you find that people, everyone, everyone wants to compete with you? Not with, oh, I don't know if it's with me, but oh, I, think, really? I think there's other members in the, in the so. I, I hate it when I'm like running and people are like, oh, I'm beating an Olympic gold medalist. And I'm like, dude, I was a not swimmer. not to do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not made for the land. <laughs> I'm not a land animal. Yeah, it's, I don't know that. I guess maybe some elements, but I just don't notice it anymore. And I think that's probably the best thing where you just let everything go and just go, you know what, I can't be bothered competing anymore. Who am I competing against? Mm. I'm just competing against myself. So letting ego die is the Mm. biggest thing. It's so hard to do and especially when you're so good at something and then you're so shit at something. You just go, oh, my God, I'm so bad at this. (laughs) What did I? What have I done? I've done a lot of stuff. I was like, Ooh, no good. Oh well, um, mm, no, it's no. not for me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you go letting go of that expectation of people seeing Liesl Jones, Olympic gold medalist, four-time Olympian, sucking at something? <laughs> yeah, but like that's hard. I don't care about other people's okay. opinions so much, and it doesn't really concern me what other people think because everyone else's opinion is none of your business. Mm. And it's one of the hardest things. So I read a book by Byron Katie and it was Loving What Is and it's just so nice because it's once you start realising you're in someone else's business, as soon as you get out of it, it makes life so much easier. You don't have to worry about it. So everyone's going to have judgement and opinion on everything that you do but that says more about them 
than you. Mm. So once you start staying in your own business, stay in your own lane, focus on what you need to do, it just makes life so much easier. Do you find that's easier in terms of like managing your energy as well? Totally, yeah, for sure. And you can exhaust yourself going round and round in circles trying to please everyone, but you've got to break a few eggs to make an omelette and you're just not going to break, you're just not going to keep everyone happy. So Mm. you're just wasting time, you're wasting energy, you may as well channel that energy into what you want to do and making you happy. Mm. And if it pisses other people off, then sorry. Yeah, it's all about it. It's all about it. Um, so when you're like trying to work out what the next steps are, what do you go with now? Because like I assume when you started swimming all those years ago, one of my favourite things to tell people is that you were swimming 10 sessions a week when you were 10 years yeah. old and I was just like in awe of that. Like yeah. I just couldn't believe because we're the same vintage, like yeah. we're the same age. We're fine wine. Yeah, we're, we're a fine, fine wine. We're yes. ageing yes. beautifully. We're a lovely uh, piece of cheese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> what a very smelly. Very smelly. And cheese. very expensive. <laughs> so, you know, you you've been doing this swimming your whole life. Like how and I assume you loved it. Like I assume that that's why you started in the first place. For sure. I loved it. So how do you make the next right decision for you? Is it just shaped by your experiences or is it just having a go. I think it's just having a go. Yeah. And just, especially with this study, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't continue. I would just stop and really have a good hard look at myself and go, okay, why are you stopping? Is it because of, I should be perfect at this. I should be better. Maybe I don't want to do it. And really having a deep dive into why I don't want to do it and why I don't want to continue. So far so that the study has continued. I'm nearly Mm. finished second year now. So yeah. And I just keep plodding away because it's obviously really important to me. I kind of enjoy it and I can see an end goal with it. Mm. And I, so I just keep persisting and I just keep going and I just keep trudging through the subjects to get it done. So as much as I don't love it and there's some elements of swimming that I didn't love Mm. and they're just all part of it really. It's just the good with the bad and hopefully the good outweighs the bad. Mm. And so long as you're smiling more than you're crying, it's, uh, it's probably a good thing. I I don't know that I've ever told you this story, but in 2000. You're sharing it publicly. I'm sharing it with you via my podcast um, for the first you, time. You hear it here first exclusively <laughs> yeah, on Lydia's podcast, all the glitters. <laughs> um, I'm ready. You're ready. I'm, I'm braced. I'm like, I'm oh braced. my goodness. Here we go. Um, so when I was 15. I was watching the 2000 Olympics. Okay, I'm worried. Yeah. (laughs) And Lisa Jones was, you were 14 when you qualified, 15 when you competed. Mm. I was dabbling in swimming at that stage. I was still very much a bludger, very much someone who loved racing but really was a shit trainer. (laughs) Just, yeah, wasn't into it. Anytime I could get out and have a shower and say I was going to the toilet (laughs) for like 15 minutes, I would. 15 minutes, geez. I know. I'm surprised I didn't get hemorrhoids. (laughs) (laughs) It really was a shower though. Um, I remember watching you and you won silver in the 100 breaststroke and I just remember thinking, wow, like this girl is my age. She is one of the best in the world at something that I love. Like I want to be like her. Like you made swimming at that world stage possible for me. That's cool. Yeah. No, it it gives me goosebumps still to think of that time and, you know, what you were able to achieve at such a young age. Like how, 
I don't know. Like I'm sure people come up to you a lot and remember you as the little 15-year-old and just I've are in never awe. aged. Yeah, well, I'm no, still 15. I get so fine wine. Look of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I'm just cheap wine. <laughs> I'm a cask wine. Passion pop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that smells like hangover. Um, but you know what? I've never tasted it, so I shouldn't, I, sh- I don't know. Um, but I've got expensive taste. But that's so nice. I love that story. It's really cool. And it's nice sometimes when you inspire other people to do things and to achieve things and go, you know what, actually I do want that. And mm. it's nice when you can have that positive effect on other people rather than being, mm, that's what I don't want to be. Mm, yeah, <laughs> because well, she's a dick. <laughs> I don't want to be like her. I do not want to be like her. Um, cross that off the list. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's nice when you can have that positive effect and I think that's where the struggle comes in too now mm. because we had such an amazing effect and I'm sure you're exactly the same. There's kids come up to you and go, I only do swimming or I love butterfly or I mm. love freestyle because you did it and kids that's cool. these days have to Google us. I know. <laughs> I know, reality check, unfortunately. But, you know, adults come up to me. <laughs> yeah, true, probably. More adults. I remember are. watching you at primary school. Oh, how old are you? 40. Oh, oh good, great. Um, <laughs> that is a reality check. But it's so nice that at the time when we were the best, the Olympics were such a big thing mm. for everyone, and especially 2004, but I, I would say probably more 2008, but that's probably our experience when mm. we were the best. And... You know, people really invested and kids really invested in watching the Olympics no matter mm. the time zone. They got up and at 2 a.m. and it was so special to have the family around and to watch the Olympic Games and to watch extraordinary performances by some people. And I was in the crowd when Kathy Freeman won her 400. Oh, like, no way. So exceptional. and that, amazing. Yeah. like And that's a moment in time that I'm so lucky to witness live mm. sitting behind John Howard of all people. Um, what? Yeah, just crazy. And, yeah, it's really cool that sport can have such a wonderful influence on people and it's a healthy lifestyle. It's the most inspirational people you'll ever see. And if you want to be inspired, watch the Paralympics, Mm. honestly. They are some of the most incredible athletes you will ever see. So true. Um, I reckon Ellie Cole's probably one of my favourite athletes of all time. She's just hilarious. But there's so many wonderful stories from those people that – you just don't even really get the chance to see and they are, I reckon they're probably the true stars of the Olympics and the Paralympics is Paralympic athletes. So mm. if you just do a bit of reading, it's pretty, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, it's amazing. So how do you want people to view you now? Because I think for a long time we try, well, I don't know about you, but for me, <laughs> I, yourself. I, I really railed against being known as Libby Trick at the Swimmer. I, yeah, like, really? I, I really struggled with that tag because ah. I, I didn't know that that's what I wanted to be known as okay. for the rest of my life. How do you, like, do you feel the same way or is that something that you have kind of reconciled and are able to move forward with? I think more importantly, have you reconciled with it? <laughs> is, is, this, is this a therapy Hello, session? Psychologist. <laughs> is this a therapy session for you? Like, like you're asking me questions about my experience so you can heal yourself. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you yes. cottoned on. <laughs> I figured you out, Libby. Yeah, I've known you a long time. Exactly. But, yeah, it's, it is something and it's something I will be known for for the rest of my life and I'm actually probably more proud of it now than I was back then. It's it's something you struggle with before because it's kind of like I'm so much more than that. I'm mm. more than a swimmer but I've realised I am more than a swimmer 
but I'm pretty thankful that I had that experience mm. in my past to be recognised as something like that. And I'm really proud of my career. I'm really proud of the person. Oh, sorry, I just hit the table. <laughs> Dunk. Edit that. <laughs> but I'm really proud of the person that I've become and out of that. And so for that, I'm really thankful. So I'm thankful to be Lisa Jones, the swimmer, because it's really cool to have that. Like it's cool to be really good at something and mm. it's cool to be just really proud of the person you've become out of that so I think since I've retired I'm probably more comfortable with it but it took a while to get there because I would have been like you I think just going I'm so much more than that like Mm. I'm not just a swimmer oh you're that you're that swimmer girl or um you know or I got your Susie O'Neill or your Libby Trickett or your everybody (laughs) else except my own name and Jody Henry yes just pick all the blonde haired girls that that still swim I'm just bashing everything off the table here (laughs) but you know pick all the uh, blonde girls that swim and just pick a name but um yeah, it's. I'm really proud of it. You should be. Oh, thanks. You're amazing. So are you. You're so super cool. It's just a super appreciation yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's just <laughs> we're just laying on the love thick. I know. <laughs> this is how we roll here. People are listening. Go. Yeah. There's too much, guys. Back it off. <laughs> no, thank you so much for for being with me. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, I'm sad. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we could just keep chatting. Do you want to just keep talking? Let's just have a tea and a coffee. <laughs> For sure. Oh, I'm devastated. It's over. Thank you so much. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Been Always awesome. fun chatting with you, Libby. Mm. Always. You'll Yay. be a friend for life. Yay. And you. Oh, thanks. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. Oh, my God. Shut oh, yeah. up. Shut up. And oh, end. <laughs> Stop breaking stuff. Uh, and cut. I think I just told Lisa Jones that I loved her. That was awkward. (laughs) Apologies for that, Lisa. Uh, She took it like a pro. Um, But if you want more uh, information about what Lisa Jones is up to, uh, make sure you check her out on Instagram at Lisa underscore Jones. She has an incredible book. I highly recommend it. Uh, Check it out in our show notes. Otherwise, if you want more socially awkward chats, make sure you listen in uh, for next week. Uh, And in the meantime, like, subscribe, share with your people, please. That would be great. And if you have any ideas of who you'd like me to chat to next, uh, make sure you um, send me a DM on our Instagram page at allthatglitterspod. Um, Otherwise, I'll chat to you soon.